Welcome into another edition of NBA Sound System. Carlin Gay alongside Mike Adams and Gil McGregor. And we have a jam-packed edition for you. And we're going to try and speed through it Houston Rockets style. Uh, we will talk about said Houston Rockets. And do we believe in the Houston Rockets? Will they prevail later on in the season when things get tight? Giannis Antetokounmpo has been incredible. We'll shed some light on him. The Clippers have been playing better or maybe they've just been healthy. So have they flipped the switch? And we'll also circle some big-time games. Huge week in the NBA this coming week. Uh, but we got to start with two of the biggest stars in the NBA. Alex Novik's not here to, to, to Can I that. say the two biggest stars in the NBA you too can, soon? You want. No, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> LeBron James and Zion Williamson uh, bookended a jam-packed weekend in the NBA this weekend with uh, a thrilling game. It was it was really truly Zion versus LeBron for a lot of that game. No Anthony Davis in that one, and once again, LeBron James rises to the occasion, showing the young pup that uh, you still have some ways to go. But I have to give Zion credit because he did bring it. Zion was amazing, right? But uh, you know, offensively, the Lakers really had no. I mean, the, Dwight Howard, who has. The biggest shoulders I've ever seen, and is just an absolute uh, fortress of a of a presence. And like Zion was just toying with him, like his ragdoll. Yeah, inside. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, it's, I mean, Zion is 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 something special. Let's start with Zion because I I do want to dig into him a little bit deeper before we move on to the Lakers because that's. 15 games now. It's a huge sample size, a good enough sample size to really truly see what this kid is all about. 24 points, 6 rebounds, uh, shooting 60% from the field, You know, 25.5 PR. He's doing it efficiently. He's lead, I think he's second in the league in points in the paint right now. Um, and that's a good enough sample size to see that that's probably going to be sustained or at least he'll be in the top there's no five. Reason, there's no reason to think that it wouldn't be sustained, right? There's, yeah. like, there's, just, right, there's right. nobody that comes close to being able to consistently stop him every once in a while. Like right now you watch him and like the only person who can stop Zion is himself. Right. I mean, he's got some turnover problems, right? He'll try doing a little bit too much. He'll try spinning into a, into a double team. It doesn't really kind of know what to do yet. Mm -hmm. uh, when teams really kind of throw the kitchen sink at him, but like that's going to come. And when it comes, like he doesn't even have any counter moves yet. And he's already unstoppable. Out of the, 15 games he's played, three of them he's at least had five turnovers, six in the game against the Lakers. You were high on him coming into the season. Has he met your expectations or exceeded I them? think he's – it's hard to say that he's just like matched the expectation because it's – look, I, I'm the biggest Zion guy there is out there. I, I thought I thought if he was healthy, he was going to make the all-star team. Right, and he probably um, would have. I, I am still – Picking the Pelicans to make the playoffs, I thought they would have easily made the playoffs had he been healthy the whole time. But I, I don't think that anyone could have seen it coming this easy. I think maybe like so, there's a difference, right, in the sense that he can have 26 in a game, mm -hmm. and it just it looks no different than when he was in college. And like I thought, maybe he would have to work for it a little harder than he does. Whether it's He'd have to just have some semblance of, of knocking down jump shots, right. or or he'd go through stretches, or have nights where he goes four for fifteen and it's just not happening. Like he just, it it's easy. It's like he's it's like he's playing NC State every night. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I expected this either. Um, 
or at least I thought it would look a little bit different. You know, I, like watching the, the Lakers game, you're watching, you see like, oh man, it's going to be a little bit tougher. And there's Dwight out there. there. There's all these guys out there. It's the best team in the Western Conference. You look up, it's like, oh, he's got, you know, 12, 14, whatever it is, like going into the half, it's like, oh, he's on pace to keep that 20 point streak up. Now he's the first teenager in NBA history to score 20 or more points in, in 10 plus games. Now it's at 11 straight games. Um, you know, you talked about it being easy. He's had two games under under 50% shooting so far. And that was that the one game against the, the Bucks when he goes five for 19, the other games against the Lakers the first time when he goes eight for 18. Like, like that's pretty ridiculous. Like thinking about the fact that just, just how efficient he is. Like he's also like starting to show a little more confidence at the line, which you were thinking, okay, maybe this is going to be the one weakness. Like we're just fouling if you can't do anything with him. Well, he went 11 for 13 from the line this game too. So it's like he's, he's doing a little bit of, everything and did you see what he did from the line in those two games he shot under 50 percent he shot 14 free throws uh against the bucks and he shot 19 in that game against the lakers right right so it's like what what are you really gonna what are you really gonna do like like he couldn't he couldn't make anything from the floor and they still had no answer for him beyond just put him to the line yeah yeah he's been incredible he really has and uh, i think the thing that shocks me is He's doing it against guys that are much bigger than him. Hassan Whiteside had problems with him in the, in the two matchups. We've seen it twice now. Zion has been dominant against Hassan Whiteside. And Hassan Whiteside, Alex Novik made him one of his shout-outs a week ago. He's had it a really nice season stats-wise. Like he's, stats-wise. He's been, that, he's, been, yeah. he's been nice fantasy-wise. But also defensively, he's no slouch. And when he's motivated, he's still one of the better rim protectors in the league. And Zion's just bumping him out of the way. That's that's where I kind of said to myself, all right, this kid's this kid's legit. Steven Adams, same thing. Steven Adams is a big dude and probably one of the strongest players in the NBA, and Zion went toe-to-toe you, with him. You know what I thought was really telling about uh, – the, the, the thing that was most telling to me about any of the stretch of games was the final four minutes mm-hmm. of that Lakers game mm-hmm. because LeBron – like you, you saw one time like Zion got LeBron in the post – and it was maybe four or five minutes left, and you're thinking, okay, maybe that was maybe he got caught in a switch or something. No, that's every time down the floor, it's LeBron deciding I'm guarding Zion, right? And like that is just an absurd amount of respect that LeBron usually gives to MVP type guys in the five final five minutes of playoff games, right? Right, like we've seen him do that with Kevin Durant or with Derrick Rose going, you know, back to the 2011 Conference Finals or. Or you know whoever it would be, right? Like nut crunching time, LeBron decides, okay, I'm guarding the other guy's best player, no matter what position he plays, and like he's the only guy on LA, including Dwight Howard, with no Anthony Davis there, that even had a chance mm-hmm. against him. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's special, and he's going to turn 20 in July. Like he's he's not, <laughs> still a teenager. I like the I, uh, by the way, basketball reference has uh, you know how his nicknames and all that stuff. I like Zanos. Zanos, Zanos, it's not bad. It's, it's it's a good name. It's his only nickname there. So Zanos, you know, Z- Zanos you mean? Yeah, Zanos, whatever, whatever it's called. <laughs> I, I haven't even seen the movie yet. So we won't get into that because I know you guys are kill me there. Uh, the Lakers, um, the month of February has been good to them. Nine and two in the month of February. Top ten offense. Top three defensive team. Um, some of the numbers are pointing in direction saying that this is a team that's really really good, and they're starting to figure it out and come together as a unit. We've now seen a, a large sample size of what this team is. What would be your cause for concern going against them headed into the postseason? 
if I'm going going against the Lakers, like my my concern if I'm if I'm facing them. No, no, sorry. What would be your concern of of them not winning the championship? What would be the reason why they don't win the championship? They still look. I'm still concerned about those those non LeBron James minutes. We saw it in, in the Pelicans game when LeBron goes to the bench. Things just kind of kind of go haywire for this team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it kind of stems something. We've been talking about it all season. The 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 lack of somebody who can create for themselves and for others at the same time while LeBron goes to the bench, it shows. Um, you can only go so far with a big man being that guy without LeBron. So so obviously AD is the guy who's supposed to be that, but you still have to have somebody get it to him. Somebody has to set him up. They have to have the offense flowing. And I think that that's kind of an issue. Also, I'm a little concerned about their, their, their shooting as well. We have a LeBron James-led team. You need more shooting. And they're talking about Deion Williams. They're talking about J.R. Smith. I think Alan Crabbs, another guy who was made available recently. I think that he would be the best possible option for them. Doesn't necessarily answer the question of of, of, of creating, but that's not, I mean, that's but not it's also it's a, it's a pretty dry, it's a pretty 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 dry market though. It There's is. not really much they can choose from. So, you know, shooting and, and create creation and on the offensive end is what I think that they lack. They hit a bunch of timely threes in the, in that game against New Orleans off of LeBron passes, right? And those are the exact type of shots that you know if these two teams are going to play in the playoffs. Everyone's gonna have to step up, right? Like, uh, you know, I I know he took eight of them, but like Kuz hit a couple, Avery Bradley hit a couple, KCP hit a big shot, uh, Quinn Cook even hit one in there. Um, but again, like we 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 saw it twice last week against a Pelicans team that's like they're talented, they're they're deep, they're good. I think the only teams they lost to in February were, were I believe Houston, Milwaukee, the Lakers twice, and OKC. That's it. So like. They're a good team, but we've now seen twice in a span of a week where like LeBron had to reach another level right. for them to be able to put away a team that's flirting with the eight seed, mm-hmm. right? And so like LeBron is good enough to do it. Of course he is. I mean, that's what he's been doing his entire career. But this is starting to feel a little bit like some of those Cavs teams where it's just the answer is just we have LeBron and you don't. And so, like, my concerns about this Lakers team are kind of the same ones that I had about some of those Cavs teams where you can start talking yourselves out of them because of the other guys around there. But then you look up and you you watch just LeBron makes everyone's life so much easier. And he just he's just a different guy when he plays like he did in those two games against the Pelicans. Yeah, we're going to talk about Giannis uh, a little bit later, but I like LeBron has this way of impacting games in in a way that just nobody else in the entire league can match. Like when everyone everyone has their A game, LeBron's A, a game is is still just on a different level. I would also like to throw in Anthony Davis's A game is on a different level as well, and that's why I constantly say on this podcast, I think that they have the best chance in most series that they'll go into, including the Clippers. The one thing I am afraid of, though, and it's becoming more apparent in the last couple of weeks, they don't hit free throws at all. Whether it's it, – they could get to the line, but when they're there, they're clanking them. That includes LeBron, by the way. It includes yeah. LeBron, which is the yeah. scary part, and AD, who's normally money from the line. And if your best player or second best player is not going to be – 85% plus, especially in the clutch, that's scary. Right now in the clutch, they're shooting 67% from the free throw line. Second last in the NBA. That's pretty That's bad. important. Only the Pelicans are worse. 
when you're playing teams like the Rockets, who might give them trouble, and we'll get to them in just a second, uh, the Clippers, who have Kawhi, Paul George, Lou Williams, guys who could go up to the line and knock them down in clutch situations, you're going to need every point possible in those close games. And if you're shooting 67% from the line, when it gets shaky, your chances might be shaky. That's the only cause for concern I have for the Lakers. Other that, than that, I, I think yeah, that's the only one. Other than that, three-point shooting, everyone talks about that. They're still shooting 35% from three. I, I mean, I, I think that's fine. I, I think they got guys that can make them when, when, when the time comes. Yeah, I guess my, my concern is not even necessarily that. I mean, they have guys who are supposed to be shooters in theory. I mean, Danny Green is a guy who will hit shots. But the thing about him, and we saw it last year with Toronto, he'll hit five or six in one game, then we might not yeah. see him hit, hit one for a few games. Yeah, I think my right. concern is that they don't hit enough threes. We'll, we'll, you know, if later down the line, the postseason, they're playing against the Rockets, or they're playing against a Clippers team that hits 17, 18, 19 threes in a game, and they're like struggling to, to hit 11 or 12. I mean, they might be hitting them at, a, at a, an efficient clip, but they're only hitting 11 or 12 of them, and they're relying on LeBron and AD to, to knock down shots and do everything. Yeah. I think that's, I guess, the over-reliance on them to do a little bit of everything is, is where, where the shooting thing becomes my, an issue. My counter-argument to that, though, is if you're hitting 23s in a game, you're going to be tough to beat regardless who, who's who's playing. That's, that's fair. It's, it's, that's fair. That's, that's, that's hard why, to beat. That's why this Houston thing is, it's is, something special. is very real. The, the Houston Rockets have been incredible over the last month and a half. Um Saturday night, big game, world's watching, prime time. It's on ABC. Houston shows up to Boston Gar- TD Garden and didn't look like a team that wanted to be there for a full half. And then all of a sudden, they came out in the second half, flipped the switch, and were able to walk out of there with an overtime win. And I, I think to me, that's a huge statement win for two reasons. One, it's showing that whatever they're doing is working. And two, this is the second time they've played Boston. So it's the second time Boston has seen this. This Boston was more prepared to face this style of basketball. And they still weren't able to stop what Houston's doing. Now, the one thing, Kemba Walker wasn't playing. So you do have to say that about Boston. But Houston showed me that this could be a recipe for success at least in the first round. At least in the first round. I think, I think, I think they're still a ways away from winning a championship. But I, I don't think that their season is going to end because of the style that they're playing. I think their season will end because they just don't have enough talent to beat a Clippers or a Lakers team. I mean, they, they've significantly raised their ceiling. Though, 100%. Right? Like, I think that there is a world... I, I, I'm not going to say it's likely. I don't think it is likely. I think that both the Clippers and Lakers are more likely to come out of the West than they are. But I, th- I think that there is a world where you play the playoffs out 100 times where like Houston wins it all. Yeah. I don't think that that was an outcome a, a month and a half ago, yeah. like, right? It, it, and new information's out. I mean, they're, they're, they, they went 9-2 and two in February, tied for second best behind only the Bucs. Uh, they were tied with the Lakers, who they beat mm-hmm. in that first game after the trade going all small. There are only two losses. Uh, one of them at Phoenix, a weird game in which Russell Westbrook didn't yeah, play. Didn't and then they had the the buzzer beater loss against Utah playing the third game in four nights. I mean, it's really interesting, I think, looking at Harden and Westbrook in February. So Westbrook scoring about two more points a game, shooting five more times a game. Mm. Than Harden shooting fifty five percent from the field. The really eye popping number to me is Russell Westbrook in February 
20.5 points in the paint per game leads the, the league. entire yeah. league. Wow. And that's, you know, to put into perspective on how insane that is, um, that's over double what he averaged during his MVP season. That's insane. When he led the league in scoring. So, I mean, he really has completely evolved. I mean, he's, he really is like a power forward. Like, he's basically a big guy. Zion's just a poor man's Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I mean, there pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. I, I think that's the thing, though. We, we've been giving Russ a lot of credit for getting back to the basics and, and doing what he does best, being Russ. You know, and I think I think credit goes to James Harden, too. For I don't want to say he's taking a step back, but taking a step to the side and allowing him to do a little bit better. We, we were very concerned about how they were going to really – I guess play alongside one another and it took some time and obviously the change that they made allowed for it to to be um a better version of what they are now but I mean you look you talk about that that game in Boston he goes for 41 um and again we talk about it he's not he took two threes you know he's he's going back to get into the rim um imposing his will and and really like let, having that competitive fire um getting to the line as well um, so, so I think that, that that's a big, big, big part of it. And one of, one of the other reasons I think that this is sustainable and that this is real. So in February, when, when they've been one of the two or three best teams in the NBA, mm-hmm. they're attempting 49 threes a game, which is just, a lot. I mean, that's outrageous. <laughs> but they're only 18th in the league in three-point percentage yeah. over that span. So they're not even like, it's not like, hey, they had a crazy month where they shot from three. That's not going to hold up. They're going to come back down to earth. Like, no, if anything, they're going to shoot better. Mm -hmm. You know? So like, I I don't really know what you point at with this team beyond just the talking points about, well, when a team sees it, you know, repeatedly in a playoff series, they'll be able to adjust, which is fair. And it's it's something that we, we won't know. Right. And, and, and I think that there's something to be said for like, Houston can adjust to other teams too. Everyone that brings that up is like the only team that's able to change is whoever Houston is playing. Like they're the only team that will make any sort of adjustment. Who says Houston won't do something even crazier in the course of a of a series to to throw the math off or something else even more. Yeah, they're more likely to change than I think any other team in the NBA, given the fact that they completely changed their strategy halfway through the season and have seen success from it. The one thing, everyone's talking about the offense and how it's affecting. I think defensively, they're putting themselves in a position to be able to guard some of the best teams in the NBA. Jason Tatum was having an incredible stretch heading into that game, and this is a type of game that he probably would feast off of. We saw him go toe-to-toe with the Lakers, LeBron James, where they had rim protection, and he didn't care about that. This is a Houston team that didn't have rim protection, and they still figured out a way to slow him down. I want to give a huge shout-out to Robert Covington. I think he might be the biggest pickup of the trade deadline. This dude, 16 rebounds in that game. They gave him credit for three blocks. He didn't really have three blocks. He had probably two. Uh, But one was on Jason Tatum straight up. Another one, I I, I think he swatted Jalen Brown late in in the fourth quarter. If you're going to get that type of effort from a Robert Covington who can guard multiple wings... That's a recipe for success. And if he's going to rebound the way he... 16 rebounds, you can't expect that from him every game. But if he gives you close to double digits, you'll take that. P.J. Tucker had 13 rebounds in that game. We know what he does defensively. And now, with Covington on the team, he's no longer the best defender on the team. P.J. Tucker now bumps down to the secondary guy, where I think right now, at this point in his career, he's probably more suited to guard. They have guys that can really guard defensively on the perimeter, and... Maybe only Jokic and Anthony Davis give him trouble in the playoffs, but Jokic 
will have to be kind of forced to go down in the post and, and, and be dominant, and he, he can't do that. But AD, you have to hold his hand and drag him down there because he doesn't want to play down there either. Yeah, and the thing with – I mean, if they were to play Denver, like Jokic is going to have to defend about 50 pick and rolls yeah. each and game. Tough. with like yeah. Even if you're able to do it, like that's just – I mean, he's he, – that's a very taxing, tiring thing, yeah. right? You're going to see – them do to Jokic exactly what they did to Rudy Gobert a couple years ago. What they were, what they were doing to Stephen Curry mm-hmm. uh, in in some of those Warrior series. I'm glad you brought up the defense portion of it because you know. So if you look at their season through the end of January, they were hovering. They were right at league average defensively, 15th okay. in the league. And over the, over the course of that stretch, they were actually better defensively when Clint Capella was not on the floor. <laughs> right. So there's this whole. There's this whole theory that, like, how could Houston possibly give up Clint Capella? He's their only rim protector. They're better with him. They were literally already better defensively whenever they were playing without Capella. Mm-hmm. They trade him off, and guess what? Houston went was seventh in the NBA in defensive rating in February. Wow. So I they identified an area where they clearly decided, hey, we're not going to miss anything by getting this guy out of here. Let's just go all in anyway. And the the defensive concerns, I think, are more of a, in everyone's mind, this is going to be a problem defensively. But when you actually look at the results of what was happening on the floor, I don't know. Like the, the All signs point to they did the actual rational thing. And we've seen this before. So we shouldn't be surprised in terms of them going small and having success. Two years ago, when they got to, you know, when Chris Paul blew his hamstring and they were almost able to get past the Warriors, their best lineups was when P.J. Tucker was playing the five. And they had Tucker, they had uh, Chris Paul, James Harden, they had uh, Trevor Ariza at the time on the floor. And Clint Capella was sitting through a lot of those minutes. Nene was sitting through a lot of those minutes. So we've seen this before. So they've had a couple of years to kind of build up to this point. I think it's just us as NBA fans not being used to seeing five small guys on the court. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Um, teams get so I, – I think, again, defensively, like look back at the Lakers game. I think they were, you talked about dragging Anthony Davis into the block. They were like kind of forcing the issue to the point where it broke what they really do. It broke their offensive flow. You think about if they, if they see the Nuggets, like – Part of what makes Jokic so special is him, his ability to kind of stand top of the key and make those passes. If you're forced feeding him the ball on the block, then he's not doing that anymore. Right. So teams, if teams over adjust to that, then that's an advantage for the for the Rockets as well. And you look at kind of like because it's something that we haven't seen before, and it might be different in a, in a seven game series, but, but like you know, one off games throughout the eighty two game season, something you haven't really seen before. You don't really know how do I force the issue? Do I continue to play the way I play? Whatever it is. Teams are kind of on their toes now, and the Rockets have the ability to take advantage of that. And who knows? Like you said, there's you know a, a, a timeline that could allow them to win, and I think that's why they have a team that teams on, on their heels or whatever the case may be, and they don't necessarily know how to attack what's in front of them. And the Rockets take advantage and before you know it. They're they're up three three games to two in a series, and they're, and they're closing it out. So I, I think they have a good shot. Close games. Uh, I'm going to go back to this stat often throughout the podcast: clutch free throws. The Rockets lead the league at 90%. Make them when it counts. Clutch rebounds, they're top four in the league. And that's something that people are you know, poo-pooing on them, saying that they don't grab rebounds. They're second to last in rebound percentage in their stretch in the last two months since the beginning of the year. Second to last in rebounding percentage. But clutch rebounds overall, over the season, they're top four in the league. Says something about this team. 
The only thing I will have cause for concern, and you guys know I'm a Russell Westbrook guy. I'm not worried about whether he's going to sustain this in the regular season. I'm worried about the turnovers late, and I'm also worried about foul shooting. He's the only one of the five, when you look at their best five, that will go to the line and you could play a little bit of hack a rust with him. He, he's, not, he's not comfortable because you, you, he's going to want to pound it into the paint the way he's been doing the last couple of months. Well, teams come playoff time, I just whack him and send him to the line. And A, that's going to take, take a toll on his body. And B, maybe he's a little gun shy going back to the paint continuously if he's not hitting those free throws. Yeah. I, look, they're, they're, it's not like this team doesn't have concerns. It's not a foolproof team. Right. And I mean, I, I'm glad that, I mean, the, the free throws is a great, is a great point, especially with the, the way he's playing now, right? He's inviting contact. He's attacking at will. And there's a chance that teams are, are exactly what you just said. They're going to force him to make some shots. And look, all that aside, both him and James Harden have some serious postseason skeletons in the closet. For sure. So even, yeah, I think it's one of the reasons why, Sort of people are a little bit slow to to kind of accept that this is working, because look, we've seen both of those guys uh, do incredible things in February, time and time again, mm-hmm. and so it's they've kind of just reached the point where like until it until we see it happen in May, it kind of I don't want to say it doesn't count, but like they are kind of in a prove it when it matters more. Should they go into I don't want to say load management. I think that's a little too aggressive. But should they go into slow it down mode and then ramp it back up in April? Because let's face it, the, the way they're playing right now, I don't think it's sustainable for the next three months to play at this level, to have Russ attack the rim the way he's been attacking at this level, take that many shots. I think that Russ needs to have the most energy on the team come April, May, and June. I, I think only only they know that question, right? Because, I mean, they're, they're one game in and – I remember on Inside the NBA after they beat the Lakers that first time, Charles Barkley's already making that point. Like he's already reached the point one game into it mm-hmm. where we're all of a sudden just going to say that they can't sustain it. Like what? It, I don't know who's to say that they can't. But isn't that the reason why they've left the playoffs the last couple of years separately? They've just just been worn down in the playoffs, especially Harden. Maybe they, not so much Russ, especially sure. Harden. I, I, it is like his game ones in series versus every other game is. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he's a wildly different player in game one. But but you know you don't point to a player in game two of a playoff series saying, "Oh, he's he was terrible because he was tired." I mean, he's had bad games early in series too. Right. I think it's a little too convenient to just chalk it all up to okay um, to that. But I that just. Yeah, I think a big part of it is how important we think their playoff pairing is. I think we kind of talked about it with Gobert. Like, I think that if they see the Jazz in the first round, they're 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 really liking their chances. Um, right now, they're like a game and a half out of that two three slot. Um, I don't know if they can make up that ground, but that's really what it comes down to. Do you, do you want to do you keep pushing and, and trying to, to move up? Do you are you content where you are? They have a pretty nice gap over those guys, but. The West is so competitive this year. I do think that they can't really afford to let up. I mean, either way, you know, you talk about them maybe being tired or fatigued once the playoffs come. But at the same time, like, again, you talk about that ceiling they have. I think that if they see an Oklahoma City team or something like that, or a team that most people might expect them to get past, 
I don't necessarily know if they want to see that in the first round. So I was just going to say, I, 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 and we're going to move off of this after this. I, I think that they are better served as underdogs in every single series. I think that they shouldn't not, but home court advantage does them a disservice because once they start missing shots, you could feel that arena kind mm. of press a little bit. But when they're on the road and they're playing this way, like you saw in Boston, had that game been in Houston, Boston would have blew them out. <laughs> Yeah. Boston with a blue out, huh? Okay. Boston was killing them in the first half. They didn't look like they wanted any part yeah. of it. Yeah. And and then, but the pressure or the the lack thereof of being on the road and just being able to continuously play your style and get back into the game, I think benefits this style of. Play. I think I think Houston potentially even more so than the Clippers. I think that the, the Clippers are are still the best team in the league, mm-hmm. and we'll get we're going to get to them in a second. I think the Rockets are the one team the Lakers don't really do not want to play the most. I agree. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think I a know. lot of teams are scared of the Rockets. Maybe not the Clippers. They're the only team that I should be afraid of the Rockets. Shouldn't be afraid of the Rockets, I think. Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, Bucks talked about the best team in the league. The Bucks have something to say. Giannis Antetokounmpo has been incredible over the last week. By the time you're listening to this, he's probably been awarded player of the week. Let's face it. Whoever's deciding that, if they don't pick Giannis in the East, they're crazy. <laughs> he almost gave the Raptors a Barbara Walters, a 2020. 19 and 19 and 8. Uh, did I say 19 three times? No. Uh, he, no. he could, you could have told me 19, 19, 19. <laughs> I would have believed it. 19, 19, and 8. Then he followed that up with a 32, 13, and 6 performance against the Oklahoma City. Like Thunder. a 50 point blowout, also. <laughs> and a 41. 41- 20 and 6 performance against the lowly Hornets. And again, this team only scored 93. It's that, not like it did it and they scored 140. That Hornets game watched most of it. And Giannis, I mean, it couldn't be easier for him. Layup, dunk, you name it. Turnaround jumper. He was giving scary. them all. He was giving it all. He, he even knocked down a, uh, a walk in three. Yeah. Like he, he, was, yeah. he had it going against the, the Hornets, didn't give him any resistance. He's they playing tried. great basketball right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that was the thing. I, I was at that Hornets game and, and watching him in person for the first time and just seeing, again, how it just looks effortless for him. Um, the, the turnaround jumpers was what really impressed me. And Coach Bud talked about it after the game and Giannis talked about it after the game as well. He was just saying that certain teams are going to guard him certain ways. And what the Hornets thought they could do with Chris Milton being out was try to make him work from the block. Well, he just showed that you, you like there's nothing that you can really make me do that I'm not going to figure out a way to to make things happen. Like a couple of those plays, like Miles Bridges did pretty much everything he could do, and Giannis is just Giannis. Like he had a hand in his face, and Giannis is linked. And again, his footwork in the post, he, he said he like decided he wanted to go and, and work in the gym on his footwork for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, and that just shows like. He's willing to add whatever wrinkle in his game he needs to add to make himself a more complete player to make this team a championship caliber team. And seeing the way they did that, like it was never really in doubt that they were going to lose. I mean, it was the Hornets, but at the same time, they were without their all-star, one of their all-stars. And it didn't even seem like it because Giannis controlled the game. He made it seem like, okay, when it's time to take over, I'll do what I need to do, whether it's in the open floor, whether it's off the block, whether I'm setting up, whether I'm rebounding. And you look down, you look up, he's got like 20 and 20 minutes. You look down, you look up, he's got 30 and 30 minutes. He, he did all this in 34 minutes, by the way. Yeah. You know, like it, it's pretty ridiculous the level of production that he's doing and the short amount of time he's doing it in. Those, those turnaround, that turnaround fadeaway, man, people were talking all year about how Giannis starts shooting threes, it's going to completely unlock him. And I think that. That's fair because you can't just completely lay off him anymore. But I think that this turnaround fadeaway that he's added 
is even more important because I think come playoff time, like that's a weapon he did not have last year right. against Toronto and what the Raptors were able to do with sort of putting a smaller guy on him and then sending size as as a as you know secondary defenders. He has this counter now. I don't know what you do with him. Yeah, go. You can I don't go know what you do. He's shooting fifty eight percent on turnaround fadeaway jump shots this year. You can like, go in and say I, it. He wasn't comfortable with his back towards no. the basket at all prior to this season, and that's a huge jump. He's having. I I think that you know we give him the appropriate amount of credit, but I still think people are sleeping on how individually remarkable of a season this is. I I really do think this might be like one of the top ten seasons. Ever, mm. I, I I know that like the player efficiency rating stuff is we're not going to make this like nerd central one hundred and one, but there's a lot of reasons why he shines in that for the same reason that like Javale McGee and lots of other bigs do. But like you start looking at some other things too. There's a lot of different numbers to you pick one out of a hat right. that says he's having one of the top ten to twelve seasons we've ever seen. The likes of which have only been you know, copied by Michael and LeBron and Kareem and Wilt. Like, that's the type of season he's having. I, I don't, I'm kind of at a loss for words. Last season, he opened the season in Charlotte where we all, Gil, you were there too. It came down to a buzzer-beating win for the Bucks. He had 25 points, 18 rebounds, 8 assists in that game, but he also had 8 turnovers. Mm. And it was a game where he struggled with foul trouble. The one thing that Giannis you can put a knock on Giannis and he's been incredible is that he still has moments where he, he he's moving too fast for his own good. He'll, he'll crash into defenders, defenders who are smart and alert. Like the Raptors have a ton of them that will just draw charges in those situations. He had a, he had a charge yesterday mm-hmm. against the Hornets mm-hmm. and that's and against a guy that's not going to draw a ton of charges. I think it was uh, a Rogier probably mm-hmm. drew it. Um, Cody Martin even drew Cody one Martin, yeah. that, that was, that was called a block, but, those moments still happen. He had to travel in the post. Those moments still happen where you're like, okay, he just has to that just that one little bit more that will just turn him into an unstoppable force. But even without that, I think he's figured out to this point of his career the best version of Giannis that he could be for now. And also with that turnaround jump shot, I think he's he's adding years onto his career because he's gonna be able to do that for a very long time. And yeah. and uh defensively Leading the entire league in individual defensive rating. Yeah, nice. And speaking of defensive rating, the Bucks now. So if you go through every team in NBA history, you compare their defensive rating with the league average, mm-hmm. right? So because you, you kind of have to adjust for, right, for basketball pace. is different. Now the third best defense in NBA history <sighs> behind only two Bill Russell Celtics teams. Man, that's it. Yeah, and that's going to carry over. That's it. That's the one thing that you can say that's going to carry over. Well, another team that can flip the switch defensively. The LA Clippers have they finally we finally seen them healthy, right? We we're finally seeing bodies get back into the lineup. They're getting in shape. Uh they've added Reggie Jackson, boo. <laughs> <laughs> they've added Marcus Morris, boo. They didn't need those two guys. I think they were good without them, but we're finally being able to see the Clippers play at a high level what they did to the denver nuggets last week was a statement beyond statements and i don't hear too many people talking about that and that's scary 
Because if you're the rest of the league, you want people paying attention to the Clippers and putting a ton of pressure on them. Because if this team walks into the playoffs as quote-unquote not underdogs, they won't be underdogs. A lot of people are still picking them as favorites. But if they walk into the playoffs without the spotlight that the Lakers will have on them, that's trouble for the rest of the league. You don't want them to just sweep through the first round and, and have no one paying attention to what they're doing. Because leaving this team with no pressure is going to put a lot of pressure on the rest of the league. I mean, it's now, what, three times in the last week where the Clippers have seemingly just made a concerted effort to just decide, hey, like, we're going to play hard tonight, yeah. and there's literally nothing you can do about it. Uh, that Memphis game in which everyone was healthy, the Denver game uh, from Friday, they, they went by 29, and then even even the game against the Sixers, right? Like, there's no Joel Embiid. There's no Ben Simmons. So the easy thing to do is you look at that and say, oh, they didn't win by that much. What can we really learn from this? Here's what we can learn from this. So seven minutes left in the third quarter. Sixes are up 87 to 80. Right. At that point in the game, Shake Milton's cooking. He's 11 of 12 from the floor. Who's 29. That? Tobias Who's Harris, that? 7 of 14 for 17. Those guys oh, nice are destroying them. They're destroying them, right? right? Because the Clippers are just kind of just hanging around. Kawhi has a turnover. Doc Rivers calls timeout. The next six minutes, they go on a 24-5 run. Milton and Harris go combined 0-6 from the floor. Kawhi goes 3-3. of Philly, who had an offensive rating of 147 up until that point in the game, dips all the way down to 42. I mean, that is the definition of flipping a switch and us just saying, we are so much better when we lock in than, than you are. And I, again... That is pronounced in that game against that team missing Embiid and Simmons, but it's just a testament to like when this team decides to flip the switch, and I think what we're seeing now this last week and a half, they are flipping a switch. And when healthy, this is the best team in the league. Yeah. No, I, you know, you talk about the switches. I think there's multiple switches, kind of like studio lighting. You got the switch turn light on and then kind of kind of dims or, or brightens a little bit. I think the most important switch, and we kind of touched on it, is, is the health switch. You know, obviously having everybody on the team allows them to do what you talked about as far as being just that dominant. I think now they're 8-0 and they have everybody all, all hands on deck this year. And I think that just t- shows how scary they are, how scary of a crop of talent it is, how they just need to be within like a shot of, of you and they they can just turn on a dominated game for six or seven minutes of game time, and it's a completely different game than it, than it was before. And, I mean, we look at this past week, they had a perfect week, and Paul George still isn't necessarily the version of Paul George that they're going to need him to be to win a title, but they're still winning games and making statements without that. So I think it, it just shows, again, like they have a chance to continue to like move that like thing that brightens the light even higher and, and make it even scarier. And again, I do think I understand that they, they definitely are our favorite to win. Are we giving Kawhi Leonard enough love? Probably not. I, I think this is the best he's ever played, right? Ever. And right? that includes last year's postseason. I mean, he's on, yeah. a, he's, he's on, a, he's on an absolute just tear on, on both ends of the floor, right? right? Like we haven't seen him play regular season defense like this. Uh, honestly, since before he got hurt in San Antonio, mm-hmm. and even like maybe even not even the last healthy year. I mean, I mean, it really might be like the 16 17 season since the last time defensively. And then offensively, he's gone Best to career. another level just with, I, I mean, everyone talks about like the, the, I mean, he's the stop and pop sort of the, those mid range jumpers, but I mean, he's, he's attacking, dunking in traffic with both hands. He's doing everything right now. He looks good. We, the, the one knock we had on him last year is that he didn't give enough, uh, give out enough assists 
5.2 career Damn. high for him this season. Uh, how many games do you think he's played? Last oh, year he man. played to this point. He played 46 games. How many games do you think he's is he on par? Is he over that? I bet he's that? over. I bet he's played more than we think. I think he's played more than we think too, but I don't know. He's played 47 games. Last yeah. year it was such a big deal that he was missing back-to-backs and all this. St- he's, played four, he's played the same amount, and it doesn't feel like – that's what I'm saying. The leak – the rest of the team better start leaking some stories to the, to the mainstream hey, media. Mon- Montresero – Clippers are sleeping. My man maybe, maybe could go back in time and tell, tell him to relax a little <laughs> bit about those comments earlier in the year, right? No, nah, like Kawhi that. knew this would happen. Kawhi did know that. That also – It's a giant uh, practice, isn't it? Regular season yeah. for Kawhi. <laughs> I, th- I must say, I think that's what it is. Honestly, I think we like aren't like necessarily like giving him any love or giving him anything bad because we realize that like this is like it's proven now. Like we saw him do it last year, we saw him turn it to another level, and it's like okay, like he's just going to do what he does in the regular season. Like season doesn't really start for him until April eighteenth, and right. that's when we'll start like giving Kawhi the appreciation that he should probably be getting. Like we'll, we'll see him like get like an All NBA first or second team selection. And everybody's like, "What? What's he been doing?" Mm-hmm. And then you see him in the post. He's like, "Oh, okay, we get it, we get it now." But I do think that we've kind of treated it like a like a dress rehearsal, so to speak, for the for the real show in the postseason. All right, uh, big week coming up in the NBA. Huge games across the board. By the time you're listening to this, you already would have seen Milwaukee and Miami. We also have. The Celtics, they'll host – well, they were supposed to host Kyrie Irving, but that's not going to happen. Uh, the Lakers, Sixers, maybe Embiid's back, maybe he's not. ton of games across the board. Lakers, Bucks later on in the week. That is a huge game, potential finals matchup. Um, what are you most looking forward to? Also, LA, the Battle of LA on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, we got Steph Curry's coming back. We got the first ever Luka versus Zion game. Mm. Um, there's a lot of, like, fun narrative stuff. With, with with Giannis LeBron, maybe Giannis, I mean, the MVP race is probably already over, but he can definitively end it. I, I think the game with the most meaning, though, is the Rockets-Clippers game on Thursday because I think that's one where on the floor we can see something of significance for what that might look like in a postseason game. Rockets-Clippers, to me, is is the game of the week. Let's talk about the Clippers real quick. Like, what a big week for them. They play the Thunder, they play the Rockets, and they play the Lakers to close the week. Like, we talk about them flipping the switch. Like, they're going to probably have to be in playoff mode because these three teams that are, like, looking to make a statement against them, like, without without a doubt. Uh, For me, uh, I think – that that Luca Zion game is is really the the one that I really I really want to talk about. We talked about um, we talked about Giannis a lot. We talk about LeBron a lot, and they play later on in the week. But one of the things we've we've kind of said is like who was going to be those guy that guy or the face of the league or whatever um, when LeBron eventually is no longer on top, which obviously is still is, is we're a long way from. But I think we get a glimpse into into that future when we see those guys take the floor. Um, these are two guys who have been. Uh, worth every amount of hype that they had coming into the league and now seeing all that on on the floor at one time is going to be like a a glimpse into the future of the NBA so that's that's huge for me it's a big week for the Lakers it started off with playing Zion on national TV we'll see them play the Sixers on national TV we'll see them play the Bucks on national TV and they'll close the week playing the LA Clippers on national TV Everyone will be scrutinizing the Lakers beyond belief more than any other time this season. AD missed the last game. I think he should be back for for the rest of the week. It's all culminating this Sunday with a big game coming against the Clippers. Every the last two outings against the Clippers, the Lakers have looked like the second best team on the floor by a lot. They need to make a statement win on a Sunday afternoon where everyone's going to be watching on ABC and 
after already coming off two huge games before that, I expect the Lakers to come out and try to play their best basketball, and we'll find out if their best will be good enough against a really good team in the Clippers. I think we're going to learn. We're, we learn. I think we'll be sitting here one week from today with a lot more clarity about the basketball situation in Los Angeles. I agree with both of those teams. It's a huge week for both. It's huge. Uh, all right, shoutouts. What I do got, we got? I got to give some love to Kristaps Porzingis. Okay, uh, he has been absolutely sensational now uh going back to january 31st he's played in 11 games 27.3 points 10.9 boards two blocks a game shooting 50 percent from the field porzingis has been a monster uh for the last month and you know he's he's missed a couple of games and i think luca's missed some time and that's I think maybe thrown some people off the scent a little bit with the Mavericks, but For sure. Porzingis is this is exactly what they had in mind uh, when they made the trade to to bring him on. Uh, so Kristaps Porzingis has been incredible. Talk about Kristaps as one of the guys that we had uh, to to keep an eye on for the second half of the season. He is not just for this year in their in their postseason, but like you said, like moving forward that duo that they kind of have. Um, you know that that's the key to to them moving forward. As far as mine, um, two part. One, the one big shout out is Chris Milton. We were just talking about the Bucks, and I know we mentioned his name a little bit, but it's almost like we mentioned him as an afterthought. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's their second All Star for a reason. He's having a historical season as far as his numbers. You know, fifty forty ninety guy, also averaging twenty plus points per game this past week. Um, had that huge game against the Wizards, and also averaged thirty plus points per game. Um, and you can kind of tell when you watch that Bucks team without him that they're just missing that umph, and, and you don't really realize until you see them without him. They're obviously still good enough to win because they have Giannis. But, um, and then Shake Milton, we all talked about a little bit. <laughs> you know, Big night, he's, he's tied NBA record, 13 consecutive uh, uh, three-pointers made. He's stepping up. You know, a lot of times you see guys, you know, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are out. They're not necessarily good enough to win games. But here's a guy who's coming in and being ready when his name is called, and I think that deserves a shout-out for sure. Yeah, that's Shake Milton. Not many people knew who he was until Sunday afternoon. Uh, my shout-out goes out to Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey taking the chances, making the mistakes, having the the uh, cojones to go out there and go against the norm time after time after time. The great franchises, the great GMs, the great coaches, even the great players always look through the windshield. Never look behind them. Never live life through the rearview mirror. Never look to see what's in the back seat. All your mistakes, they leave them in the past. Great franchises, and even the ones that win, the ones that win championships time and time again, they don't look behind them to see, oh, we were so great that year. Let's try and replicate what's happened behind. No, no, no. They drive their car looking straight ahead to see where they're going next. And that's what Daryl Morey has constantly done over the last couple of years. He hasn't gone to the back to the past and said, well, we were successful doing this certain thing with Chris Paul and and in and, and the last two years we were so close and what. No, he's figured out a way to then, it, it, the cards are in his hands now with Russell Westbrook versus Chris Paul. He's figuring out a way how to get that done at the present time, not going back to look at what was successful in the past. So big shout out to Daryl Morey and the Houston Rockets. And hopefully, maybe he gets to keep his job a little longer and try to win an NBA title. That's it for us this week right here on NBA Sound System for Mike Adams. Gil McGregor, I am Carlin Gate. We will see you next week right here on NBA Sound System.